Jesus humbled himself mm. and showed them his scars so that so that they would know him. Mm-hmm. It was important for him to let them know who he was. Mm-hmm. So I believe that we share our scars and our wounds so that we can actually know each other. Wow. Because I can go to church with you for 30 years. I can live with you. You can be a family member. You can be a great friend of many people and nobody really knows you. Wow. World-renowned motivational speaker, featured on ABC's Secret Millionaire, author of Come to the Table Cookbook and The Secret Lies Within, Overcome podcast host, you may know her best as the founder of one of the best treats, I think, in every single airport that I've ever been to in my life, the founder of Auntie Anne's Pretzels. We have the beautiful, amazing Anne Bueller with us today. I pray this blesses you, friend. I believe God put a specific light in your heart for a purpose, for you to shine it into this world in a way that nobody else can, a light that is unique as the print on your finger. And our job is to take that light and go love people with it in this world. Everywhere you go, you have a ministry. You don't just have to be a preacher to have a ministry. Your light is your ministry. It's how you shine it at your job, at your family, at the dinner table with your friends, at the movies, at the park, at your apartment. Everywhere you go, you are made to shine your light. Do it, be it, love people, be kind, honor them, honor yourself. This is made to shine. Welcome back to another episode of Made to Shine. As you just heard in that introduction, man, are we in for a treat today. I am just so tickled excited right now because we have the beautiful, amazing Auntie Anne on. Yes, the Auntie Anne, the founder of Auntie Anne's Pretzels. As I know, everybody here is a fan, has seen at the airport and all the places. I know in Atlanta, there's like a thousand of them. Um, But I'm, I'm so excited personally, as I was telling you before, Anne. You know, here at Made to Shine, we believe everybody is a ministry. It's not just preachers. It's not just pastors. It's the way you live your life. So you can be a college student. You can be a sister, a daughter, a friend, a high school student, someone who just started a marketing job. It doesn't matter. Your ministry is the way you shine your light in all spaces. God trusts you in. And what I've seen from afar, you have done that so beautifully in what could be, as I mentioned, more of a secular space, which is the baking space, the cooking industry. And so I was so excited to have you on to just kind of pick your brain, talk through like how you practically do that and also have your story to be shared. So thank you for being on, Anne. Well, it is really my pleasure, Annie, uh, to be here with you today. And uh, as we had spoken earlier, we don't know who the audience is, but God knows who you are. And he knows what you need to know today. He knows sometimes, you know, in our 
in our most uh, troubled times when we're confused, we don't know which way to go, we're not sure what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sometimes it's just a word I remember in my own life, you know, just a line or maybe a song I heard or somebody's me along the way and said, I don't know, I just need you to know that. So today is, I want it to be one of those moments for you. Like you can take something from, from what we're talking about and say, you can apply this to your life because God yeah. knows exactly what you need. And I love that you use that word apply because it's so true. I mean, I know I, I used to consume content like crazy mm-hmm. in regards to like, I would listen to sermons or podcasts. And then I mm-hmm. had to check myself because the Holy Spirit was like, Annie, how much of this are you actually applying? Uh, because mm-hmm. if it stays here, that's not the point. The point is for you to take something. So I love that you said that. And um, and it's funny because the first question I always ask a guest on the Made to Shine show is what is your favorite quote and why? So Anne, can you kind of talk us through maybe a quote at one point in your life or now that's just spoken and stayed close to your heart? Uh, well, if anyone's heard me speak in the last 10 years, they know, they know what my quote is. So it is... Um, it's life is hard. God is good. Don't confuse the two. And the reason I say it that way is because I grew up in an Amish uh, culture. My mom and dad were Amish, old order Amish, horse and buggy Amish until I was three. And then we went to the uh, black car Amish. So in that community of Amish, Amish Mennonites, I really, nobody ever told me this, but as a little girl, I, I truly believe that life is good. There's eight of us kids on the farm. There were never any, you know, there was a few accidents, but no, nothing traumatic. My parents were good parents. Uh, they took us to church every Sunday. We sat around the table three times a day. Um, family life was truly, it was family life. And so I, I truly believe by the time I got married at a very young age, we got married. Uh, I believe that life is good and God is harsh. Why did I believe that? Because it, somehow I got the message and I am not anti-church or anti-body of Christ. I'm, I'm a part of y'all. So it's not about that. But it's what, what I felt uh, and, and believed without anyone really telling me was that life is good and God is harsh. And if you will keep all of the Ten Commandments, every single one of them, do your very best to keep them all and you'll be a good girl, uh, then God will bless you. But if somehow maybe you'll slip up or you'll do something bad or, or I, I don't know, there's all kinds of bad things that we can do. But as a little Amish girl, there wasn't that many bad things. I mean, I wasn't going to go get drunk or I wasn't going to go out into the world for anything. I didn't even know how to do that. But, but, but it was things like, uh, you know, being good, like obeying my parents and doing what the church says and those kind of things. So I believe that if I could, if I slip up, then God may be uh, upset with me. He may actually be angry with me. So my my theology was life is good and God is harsh. But what I know today, what I know today, without a shadow of a doubt, because of over seven decades of life's experiences now, I know that you're, you're a very young crowd, y'all out there, but we all grow older one day at a time, same rate of speed. One day you're going to be you know, at my age. But at this point in my life, I've experienced, and I know for sure that life is hard and God is good. And I am not confused about that anymore. The confusion of that theology, life is good and God is harsh. That all changed for me when things happened that I had no control over. And then I wondered, 
Where are you, God? Like we all do. Yeah. I love that. I was listening the other day. Do you know who Jackie Hill Perry is? She's a a preacher. She's great. Um, but she she was talking about how people, especially this this audience we're talking to, is scared to read the Old Testament because they're like, God was so scary in the Old Testament. And mm. and she was like, When you when you take Jesus at his word. Jesus said God is good. Well, if you if you believe that, then you have to like look at the lens of everything in your life and in the Bible as well God is good. So there's something good. And then you have to think about your definition of good and bad, right? And like what it means to be blessed and what it means to not be blessed cuz I even feel like in my own life my definition of what it means to be blessed has changed so much because mm. I used to think it was all these external things. Uh, and now, and, uh, and, but to do that, you have to go through some stuff and you have right. to be humbled. And, and in your story, you had multiple things kind of occur, uh, heavy things, dark things that, I mean, I presume led you to this newfound understanding of what it means to have a personal relationship with the Lord. So Absolutely. talk to us through that. Absolutely. Um, well, you're you're going deep right away. I'm not sure. Oh, we, that's what we do, do we, here. do we do we come up? Do we come up for air and and we get through this all right? Okay. Um, so I really, you know, as a little girl when I was 12 years old, I accepted Christ and I understood at that age the plan of salvation and believing in Jesus as as my Savior. And I remember the moment and where I was and and how it happened. And from that moment on, I really wanted to be a good girl. Like I wanted to please. So when I say good girl, I, I don't mean sinless, but you know, how much sinning do you do by the time you're 12? I don't know. In my mm. culture, it was, you know, it was an easy life. It really was. And my parents made it easy for me because they, they taught me, you know, the Bible and the ways of God and who Jesus was and all that. So I just knew that I wanted to serve God and I wanted to have a good family one day. And I wanted to be a godly woman. That, that's really, that was my career path. That's what I thought I was going to, that's all I thought I was ever going to do, right? And um, and so things changed. So my husband and I got married at, at uh, we were both young. I was 19, it was 21, which is a very common, uh, even to this day, Amish, uh, in the Amish culture, people get married young, but they're, they really are prepared and ready to be husband. They, they know how to be family because they've watched it all of their life. The greatest form of parenting and role modeling or teaching is through role modeling. It's not so much what I say, but it's what am I doing as a parent or as a friend or as, as a Christian? What I say can be very, uh, it, it can be very empty, but what I do is powerful and because that's what people uh, take note of. So, yeah, so I, I, my parents taught us well. And uh, so my husband and I, we both uh, love the Lord and serve God and uh, had a very, uh, very personal relationship with Christ. And we're in the middle of a very exciting and uh, thriving church. And we were youth pastors at that time. And I remember he and I would talk about it. I was at that time, I was 27 and he was 29. And we had two two daughters. And so we were living our dream. I remember telling him a couple of times, I cannot believe, you know, life is so good. You know, God is so good. I, I, I don't know. It's, can it get better than this, right? Hmm. And, uh, well, we had no idea, you know, that uh, trauma and tragedy will touch all of us at some point in our lives. And some people at a younger age, I guess, whatever, but, but we will experience that because Jesus said, 
This is almost a promise. He said, in this life, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. You know, I've overcome it so you can too when it happens to you. But I was oblivious to that because I was being a good girl. And uh, so it all changed, though, when our youngest daughter, Angela, was 19 months old and we were living on my parents' uh, farm in the country. And so uh, she would always walk up to my mom's house and her and her older sister would walk up there for their second breakfast. And I would do my my little house chores and and um, let my mom know that she was on her way and I'd do my busyness. And eventually we'd like, go back up and pick her up again. And but anyway, they would walk up there because it was only a few hundred feet from my house to their very safe place. Uh, my sister was a, um, she drove a farm tractor with a scoop and she would uh, unload and unload sand on my dad's uh, out of the barn that was between the two homes. And that particular morning, she looked to see if Angie and her sister were around, but she didn't see them. So she backed the tractor up. And, and when she turned to go forward, Angela was laying in front of the tractor and she had killed her uh, accidentally. Instantly, she was killed. Well, my, my next moment, so anything can change in like a second in your life. You never know, right? And uh, the next moment I ran to my, I heard all of this screaming and I, I went to my front door and I saw my dad carrying her lipless, her body, um, to my front door. And uh, that was the moment, um, Annie, when everything changed for me. Mm. I mean, there's, there's a whole big, long story about that, but it's in my book, uh, The Secret Lies Within and also The Twist of Faith. Um, but it, but to, to try to talk about that in a few minutes is really hard. It's still oh, very yeah. hard for me to do, but it, it was such a... Um, I, I didn't understand why God. So yeah. that's what everybody asks mm -hmm. when something bad happens. And, you know, we forget in those moments that Satan has come. Mm -hmm. He's the one that came for three things, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God has come to give us life. He, he's good all the time. No matter what happens, he is still good. But at that time, I was very confused. And my theology, uh, believing what I did, life is good. God is harsh. I couldn't understand. Did I do something wrong? Is it my fault? If I would have done this, Angie could still be here. All of those tormenting uh, questions that, that you find yourself sure. asking after trauma and tragedy. Uh, my husband and I, who had been very close, uh, we loved each other and we were, we just had a blast. We were a very happy young couple with two kids and again, just serving God and all, everything was good. And um, slowly but surely, as Angela made her uh, ascent into heaven that morning, I, be, I began my very slow and gradual descent into a world of spiritual confusion and emotional pain. There were two worlds I knew nothing about, not nothing about those worlds, those two worlds. And so I began to withdraw and isolate. And our four-year-old, she uh, lost her sister and she actually lost her mom as well. And so we, as a family, I think that the dysfunction of the grief of it all just really um, consumed us. And I feel like we would have gotten through all right. But about three or four months after Angela's death, I, I never cried in front of anyone. I was trying to hide all my feelings and trying to be a strong, victorious Christian. I'm okay. And mm. nobody asked me anything because I looked like I was doing just fine. 
And I didn't want to look weak. And I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And so after a couple of months, I just um, asked God to bring me somebody that, that I could talk to. And the following Sunday at a church service, my pastor told me to come see him at his office. And I was like, wow, hmm, what a relief, because I knew this man. I thought he was a good man. And uh, I, I went that Monday morning. And um, before we were, as I was leaving his office, he took advantage of me physically. and. Uh, yeah, wow. I, I, I didn't know. It stunned yeah. me completely. I didn't know anything. I mean, I was pretty naive about pain in life. I was certainly naive about adultery or abuse of spiritual power or sexual abuse or any abuse of any kind. And so I knew what he did to me had to have been my fault. Mm. And so I began to blame myself for you know, then I went back. If I would have just done something right, the, the morning Angie was killed, if I'd have done something different, she would still be here. And now I don't know what I did, but somehow I must have done something wrong. Otherwise, he would never have done that to me. And and this is this is where I feel like that, you know, both of those things uh, I had no control over. It, it was not a choice that I made. But I can tell you, I made a choice when I left the pastor's office. And I said to myself, I could clearly remember it. I know exactly where I was. I know exactly what I was wearing that morning. And I said to myself, I will never tell anyone what he just did to me because nobody would believe me. And number two, what, how, how do I tell that? I mean, how, would, how do you tell anyone? And in my broken, you know, sadness and my grief and losing our daughter, I, I was totally confused about everything, but I chose. And I just want to say the choices that we make today is the life that we will live tomorrow. Mm. And that one choice that I made that morning took me into the dark world. Mm. Because when we keep secrets, we, there's something about secrets. God, he, he wants us to live in the light. He says, bring all of your deeds into the light so that we can have fellowship one with another. And then as we do that, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from yes. all sin. But it starts with living a life authentically, openly, and honestly. That one choice kept me in a sexually abusive relationship for almost seven years. Wow. I never told anyone. Mm -hmm. And this was, this was my secret. And I knew that I would go to my grave with that secret because I would never, ever tell anyone. It took me into the dark world where Satan, when you go into the dark world, Satan will give you all the tools that you need to stay in there, stay in that dark place mm -hmm. as long as you believe him and he yeah. tells you lie after lie. And you just stay there because you don't know what to do. And uh, so after about seven, almost seven years, that's when I things started changing for me. Well, and thank you for sharing that. And I, I, I'm curious to, and I know this is going to help so many people. So thank you for sharing your story and, and going there. And when we think about, like you said, trauma will touch all of us. Tragedy will touch all of us. And I do feel like shame, fear, mm -hmm. it grows in the dark. It grows mm -hmm. in isolation. And you use that word isolation. And 
I feel like, especially with this upcoming generation, we've gotten really good at manufacturing connection, which is dangerous because when we do isolate, there's no one reaching out to hold us accountable. Like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Hey, like people aren't going to physical churches anymore. They're part of mega churches, streaming online and or if they're even attending at all. And and we don't have that community. I guess my question for you, Anne, is. Do you think like those thoughts, what are the, what are the thoughts coming from the enemy about yourself that kind of gradually led to that, like further steps into isolation, into the darkness? And do you think it's the same regardless of tragedy that you go through? Well, I think we, we start believing the lies um, because we, we feel powerless. We feel, my experience, I felt powerless. I felt helpless. I was guilty. Um, as time went on, I was ashamed and the longer the relationship continued, the worse I felt. And when, and during that time, before I had, um, met my pastor or spent time with him before I went to see him, I should say, I was already pregnant with our second daughter, Mm -hmm. our third daughter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I was so excited about another baby coming, not to take Angela's place, but I had great joy about that. That was like God was redeeming us, right? But it was right after that is when I started to see the pastor. And it was right around that time that he raped me. And when, and I, I say that, why do I say that? Because you know what? Our stories are not meant to be uh, kept a secret. Uh, We're meant to tell our stories a little bit like David a little bit like Noah, uh, a little bit like Solomon, a little bit like, I mean, when you think about Jacob and Esau and Abraham and Sarah and all these people, wow. like, wow, they were like, we are, they, they're not like some heroes of the faith and lived a perfect life. But, but the Bible tells us the whole story about That's some of these true. people. And you know why? Because I think the, the ending of it all is a redemptive. And what I want your audience to hear this more this this afternoon from me is that Jesus is the redeemer. Yeah. And and he's not like sort of ho hum about being a redeemer because he wants to redeem us fully and completely. And for for me to be in this place of isolation and then being sexually abused to the point of rape, I that is for me, it, that's when I cross a line. And you ask, why do we stay there? Or I forget mm-hmm. exactly what your question, mm-hmm. but why do we stay there? Um, it's because we think we're not worthy. We, we have sinned too many times or too much. I know better than this. I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, right. That's true. But when I, when I crossed that line, I lost, I lost all hope. You know, and and for the next six years, I went to church every Sunday. I stayed married. We had another baby. Nobody had any idea. But I was so ashamed that I didn't feel worthy to ask Jesus to, to forgive me, even though I begged him to deliver me every single day in tears, every single day. And then when he didn't deliver me, then I knew I was somehow, there's something very wrong with me. You know, I'm flawed. I've passed the point of no return. And that, let me tell you, is a lie. 
because during all those times, all those years, my stomach, you know, we talk about Holy Spirit indwells. He comes in and he stays. Mm -hmm. He makes his dwelling place in the innermost of our being. And it was during those dark years that my stomach had not, I mean, I thought I had ulcers. I went to the doctor twice because my stomach was in such turmoil. In my heart, I went to the doctor once because I thought I was having a heart attack. You know, so what I know today, Annie, is that all along, Holy Spirit was trying to convince me that's that's what I'm feeling yeah. in my, that's what I was feeling. He wants to convince us and to help us and tell us there is a better way. Wow. If you'll bring your deeds into the light, wow. James 5, 16 says, if you will confess, like talk about, so confession is like a kind of like a subjective, it's hard. You know, I got to confess that I committed adultery or I lied or I, I have to. No, no, no. If we confess, if we're open and honest and we tell each other, we confess one to mm -hmm. another, talk about these things mm -hmm. and pray, then we will be healed. Mm. It's a very simple principle, mm -hmm. James five sixteen but very hard to do. I prayed to Jesus every single day. Somehow I knew he was still heard me and saw me and uh, was with me, even though I would ask him, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Wow. That's how bad I thought I was. Yeah. So Holy Spirit is alive and well inside of you, but he wants us. He wanted me one day to get up off my knees, stop crying and go tell my husband my secret. Ooh, that was not in my plans. Yeah. But that was a that was a result of Holy Spirit prodding, encouraging, trying to convince me all those years there is a better way. Mm. And I have to tell you, there's hmm, there there's one way. If you're caught with an issue that is so deep that you feel like you're you're drowning, yeah, you, you can't get out. There's no way out. That's what I believe. There's no way out. I was unlovable, I was yeah. unforgivable, and I was unchangeable. I no doubt about it. But Holy Spirit trying to convince me all those years to open up. And part of that is take responsibility. Mm -hmm. Stop blaming your mom and dad, the school teacher, right. uh, your coworkers, your boss, your the government, the <gasps> it blaming does yeah. nothing but keeps you stuck exactly where you are. And that's what I did. I blame God. I blame my husband. I blame the, the pastor. Well, I blame me too, but still, it was all just so one big ball of guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. There was no, no way out. So as I finally began to bring my deeds into the light, I told my husband about it. And the rest of the story is in my book. And, and, and what and everybody talking... needs to go get the book. Everybody needs to go get the book. <laughs> I, I, but... Or what I was going to say, Anne, was, um, you know, there I was listening to some podcast the other day around someone said something along the lines of when you blame other people for your problems, you're also giving them the power to oh. be the only solution. And but what I think is so powerful about what you talked through is there's two ends of that, right? There's the end of we blame and we push the 
the the power over what happened to us on other people. And some people have walked through scenarios that it it happened to them. Like they sure. they were children when things happened. Like it happened to them. Absolutely. And then there's the other side that you know you you carry that guilt because you internalize. Well, maybe I did this. Maybe something's wrong with me. And and I even think about in in my own life. Like when I've had seasons where I've just felt so unlovable and and just so far beyond um like when you said unlovable and changeable that about brought me to tears because th- there's been seasons of my life I felt that way sure and you know it what's so powerful though about what you said is I think a lot of us we we think okay we talk to God about it I'm good and, right. and that was me. That was me for a while before, like, there was a few people in my life. I was like, I need to tell them what's going on because it's I'm talking to God about it and I don't feel lighter. Um, and, and I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to talk to my mom. And um, but talk to me about that, about the power of to bringing to light with trusted believers. And how do you know who to trust with well, the stuff that you're going through? But that's that's a great question because you know as I said earlier I prayed and asked God to send me somebody that I could talk to. Yeah. And I went to the pastor. Yeah. He, I don't even know how to. I can't explain that. I, I don't even understand that. But um, years later, then as as you know what what we try to do when we find ourselves in this place is we try to hide our pain because we're so ashamed. We're so ashamed. Um, and so what we try to do is we do everything but the one thing that we can actually we can do. You know, we try to drink our problems away. We try to sex our problems away. We try to alcohol like a like drug or or, or pain away. We try to we become workaholics. We become like amazing runners, or we become addicted to you know uh, exercise. Just so many things that we do. We're just busy, busy, busy. Do it. We cannot stop. We can't stop. Yeah. And so when that's all the, that's all that we that's what we do. But but what I learned to do was stop. To stop. And in that moment of stillness you, you can start to hear something that you didn't hear for a long time. Holy Spirit actually talks to us. Mm-hmm. And when he told me to get up and go tell my husband it was the most the most difficult thing. I, I never believed that I could ever tell him. But there was enough of Holy Spirit in me after the, all those years that gave me the courage to do the right thing. Wow. And there's only one way to overcome our problems. And it's actually, you got to talk about it. Mm. It's crazy, right? Like, I, I believe that God saved me. I believe that you know, the blood cleanses me. I believed all these things about the Bible. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I couldn't I couldn't do was to open up my life and bring all of my deeds into the light. And that's what I did when I went and told my husband. And I want to tell you, there are no shortcuts to that. Now, that doesn't mean that you will tell everything to everybody. I mean, I was so careful. I did like little pee-pee steps. I told a little, a little bit about every, just a little bit each time. Yeah. But when I told my husband, I just told him the whole secret in two sentences. Only two. That's all I needed. And I walked away. I didn't hug him. We didn't hold hands. I didn't ask him to forgive me. I didn't say, I love you. I just made a very hard confession. Wow. 
And I walked away, believing the very worst. I believed that he would come home and tell me that I have to leave mm -hmm. because my guilt and my shame was so big. But that's what I did. So I want to encourage your viewers to find the right person. And the question is, who, who is that? <laughs> well, I don't know. If you go to church, look for somebody that you've watched for a while. Like you, I don't know. Ask Holy Spirit to guide you. And I've had many women say to me, I don't have anyone to talk to. And I said, hmm, I understand that. But the principle in James says, confess your faults one to another. So this is God's principle. Mm -hmm. So he will guide you to somebody. I truly, truly, I'm not special. Like, you know, every the, the, the promises or the principles in God's word are for all of us mm -hmm. to apply to our lives and to use them. And God will, he, he will keep his promise. And my healing began, oh, let me tell you, it took me years of counseling. You know, still guilt and shame but my husband came home that day and he made me promise that i would if i have to leave that i would not leave him in the middle of the night and leave a note on the dresser because i want us to be together if you have to go he said to me then just tell me just tell me and we'll talk about it i'll help you find a house and I'll help you pack your bags. And the girls have to go with you because they need their mother. So my husband, in that moment, he saw worth in me. He, he valued me as a husband. And that's why we're still together today after 55 years of being married. That is... When God, <laughs> when God promises redemption, you know, I would never have known back in those dark, dark days, the days I was fighting for my very life. I thought it was the option for me was to take my life. That that seemed easier than to tell my secret. Can can you imagine the darkness and the evil of Satan himself? He makes you believe it's better for me to take my life than to tell. Who's going to understand you? Who's going to listen to you? And besides, if you do tell, they're not going to, you know, they won't like you anymore or they're going to look at you differently. It's exactly the opposite. Once you tell, you'll find there's people that love you and care for you. They're proud of you for telling your secret. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, it's really important that you open up. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. Mm so that we can become one. And Annie, if I know your story, you kind of touched a little bit like, like we all do. Like there were some things in my life that, you know, brought me to a very bad place in my life. And I was like, hmm, what was that? Right? Okay. That's, but that's how, that's what we do. I'm not criticizing you, but it's, it's a great that's example a point. of what we do. We just kind of like, you know, on the surface, I tell you, man, I, I just had such a bad day. My kids, I mean, if you knew everything about my kids and oh, besides, if you knew everything in my life, you were just like, oh, the body of Christ is meant for us to carry one another's burdens. Confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. I prayed. I begged. I pleaded. But God did not do for me in seven years. 
what happened to me when I did one short confession in one moment. The power of this is what I really want your audience to kind of like wow. hear mm -hmm. and embrace it and try it mm -hmm. and find someone, ask Holy Spirit to lead you. That's so good. And I would recommend someone that's older than you are. I mean, you know, someone that's been down the road a little ways, someone that's really experienced hardships that you know, and they've come through there. They're not really whining and complaining and in the dark still, but go to someone that, that you know has yeah. overcome the odds. And, and somehow these people then can speak into your life. All right, friends, who likes to feel good? Not only feel good, but do good work. Now, if there's anything I know about this Made to Shine fam, it's that we have goals and we like to be productive. You wouldn't listen to this kind of content if you did not. And I'll tell you what, you guys know me by now. I'm someone that I like to be productive. I like to get a lot done, but that's really stinking hard when you're not feeling your best, when you kind of have that, what I like to call that mental fog going on. And a few months ago, I was trying everything. I was trying different things to kind of create more mental clarity, but I ran into this problem of, I was taking like I was drinking so much. I was drinking coffee. I tried matcha and nothing really worked. Nothing worked sustainably and nothing was convenient. There was nothing that was quick. That was simple until I found magic mind. Yes. Insert magic mind into my life. What I love about Magic Mind is, of course, it's all natural. Y'all know I have very high standards for what I put into my body. So it has your ashwagandha. It has your matcha. But it's so convenient. There are these little bottles that you just, you just sip. It's easy. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to spend a thousand minutes curating this perfect coffee and you're good to go. You feel amazing. It helps with your productivity. So I'm not the only one who thinks this, you know, Joe Rogan, the Kardashians, Brooke Shields, they're all on this magic mind trend. And lucky for us, if you use the code made to shine 20, you're going to get up to 56% off your first subscription order. That is made to shine 20 up to 56% off your first subscription order. Y'all, we all deserve to feel amazing. We all want to take our work seriously. This is how you can do that in an easy, simple, convenient way. Knowing what you're putting into your body is good and natural. Excited for all of our minds to feel magical after this. I, um, when you said that, what came to mind was in scripture, when Thomas is talking about how, like, I want to see the scars. I want to see what, oh, where the nails oh. were. And the other day I was so, um, I just, I was in the car and I was listening to Maverick City music and, you know, just had it, I was worshiping in the car. And then I just, I had this thought, I was like, God is God. And Jesus is the son of God. Jesus could have come back perfect in pristine and Absolutely. like the like Thor just perfectly just like the gods we think of as being but he came back with the, the places where the nails were to show and and that's where I was just like wow I mean I think a lot of us are you know and especially I'm from the south I live in the bible belt I've lived in the south my entire life and you dress up really nice and you go to church on Sunday and and you put on your makeup and and I feel like a lot of us with with God, I know for me, 
for me with God, I've always not wore makeup. Like I'm, I'm not afraid to show God my scars. I, I know I trust God with it, but, and personally where I've struggled is trusting people and trusting the body of the church with it because I've been burned in the past. And I, I feel like a lot. So talk to me about how do you show your scars, but be okay with knowing there's some people that aren't going to respond great or building that trust to, to kind of lead yourself there, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So you show your scars so that people will know you. Okay. So let me, I often talk about this. When Jesus was in the room, he'd been with them a time or two. Then Thomas comes along and he says, Hey man, (laughs) I hear what you say, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to believe that you are the Christ or that you are Jesus until I see your scars which you just mentioned. And Jesus, being the son of God, he could have, you know, I mean, he went through the walls. Like we all know, he just appeared in the room. So that was miracle number one. Yeah. Like when Thomas said that to him, he could, because I'm the son of God, I can do all these miracles. Yeah. Um, I'll just uh, broil some fish here in the upper room and we'll have a meal together, miraculously. But no, Jesus humbled himself. Mm-hmm and showed them his scars so that so that they would know him mm-hmm. it was important for him to let them know who he was mm-hmm. so i believe that we share our scars and our wounds so that we can actually know each other Because I can go to church with you for 30 years. I can live with you. You can be a family member. You can be a great friend of many people. And nobody really knows you. But let me tell you, once you begin to share your life and you have the courage to share your scar, your wounds and your scars with someone, again, you don't have to stand in front of the whole church or with all of your friends. or But you begin to do this in a very gradual way. Why? Because we actually want to be known. I, I remember the times in my darkness. I'm traveling all over the world as Auntie Anne by myself a lot. And I'd walk through the airport. I was so desperate. I would think if I could just talk to somebody. Because I, I want to tell I I have to talk to somebody. But I was scared to talk to anyone in the church or anyone in my family because I was too ashamed. But I felt the need I had to pour out. So I believe that we're created with the longing to be known. Wow. And and the beauty for that for me, Annie, was that as I began to share my story, I began to feel connected with people. Wow. It, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. And I believe that's what happened in the upper room when Jesus showed Thomas and the disciples his wounds. They, they knew who he was now. And, and when you know somebody, you wow. connect well with them. There's no pretense. There's right. not pretending. There's not fake. There's not, you're not like trying to be somebody you're not. This is who I am. It's who you are. And the other thing it always takes, Annie, you cannot be proud 
you know, and make your confessions at the same time. It takes humility yeah. and humbleness. Before we were talking this week and I was like getting ready and preparing and stuff, I, I, I Googled pretzels. I don't know why, but I Googled <laughs> the word pretzels and, I mean, for you, of course, like your Auntie Anne's pretzels, but I don't know why I Googled pretzels necessarily. And something came up on the meaning of pretzels and what it can represent. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if you, you probably know this, but like the three points represents the the Trinity and then the knot represents prayer. And, and it made me think as we were talking about the beginning of this conversation, we kind of mentioned how we've, there's a redefining of what it means to be blessed when you've been very humbled in your life with trauma or tragedy and you know without those scars thomas would have never really known jesus exactly and so without the tra- i mean without jesus going through the the biggest tragedy to i mean to date on that cross like from a pain standpoint we would never know Jesus and his heart. Exactly. And there's a song called Scars. It's so good. And it's like, yeah. I'm thankful for the scars because without yeah. them, I wouldn't know your heart. And yeah. you think about, well, if that's true, then every tragedy I walk through, no matter how dark, like when I have that bit of confession, when I bring it into the light, it leads me to a greater blessing than had I'd never walked through oh, that valley. Oh, and if oh. that's not the gospel, like if that's not... What, what it means to like be a follower of Jesus and to understand that he's your savior. And I just, I just think that's so funny how we started this conversation that way. And it, it led here, you know? Well, you, you know, I, the power of confession is, is so huge. It changes the trajectory of your entire life. Okay. If I would not have told Jonas made that confession at him, told him the most horrible thing in my whole life. That I mean, it lasted for almost seven years. If I would not have told him that, mm-hmm. there would be no Auntie Anne's. This was before Auntie Anne's. I mean, I was dying. Life was over for me at 37. There's no point in living except I still want to be Jonas Byler's wife. I still want my family. I don't know how I'm going to live this life with all the, the guilt and the shame and all that. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but that's what I want. I know I had no idea in my darkest nights that I would become a businesswoman one day, that I would be able to influence thousands of people around the world. When I say that, it sounds, uh, I don't know, but, but I say that humbly. I would never have dreamed that God had a, you know, I would have been happy to be redeemed and attend church and that's the end of my life. But I believe that when you walk through great pain, Wow. There is great redemption for you. Yeah. I don't I don't understand I, I, I'm not a theologian so I can't like explain what I mean about that. No, but I would never have dreamed or thought anything great would come out of mm-hmm. my pain. But out of our pain our purpose was born. Mm-hmm. Our purpose then became to help other couples. Mm-hmm. And Jonas became interested in psychology and studied psychology and became a layman's counselor. And during that time, he wasn't, he was doing it as a free service. And we did that. He did that for about 15 years. But the first month that he was doing that, I said to him, I guess I need to go to work, huh? I mean, we're not making any money. And he said, well, 
I mean, sure, you know, find yourself a little job and we'll, we'll get by. But he was so excited about helping, about what God did for us. And he wanted to help other people. And so then I started a little, my little store in downtown Pennsylvania, making soft pretzels. Hmm. Had no idea. You know, it's just, I don't even understand it to this day. Why? Why did he do this? He didn't do it for us only. He, Whatever he does for us, it's always for me, but it's for the greater good of the kingdom of God, always. Yeah. But it starts with me. Wow. You know, it started with me and Jonas. And from there, you know, and the redemptive part of it is healing became our journey as husband and wife. Yeah. And I want to tell you, when healing becomes your journey, you're never done. It it continues. It continues. Your healing gets bigger and better and more uh, complete. Mm. And it wasn't too long ago. It was an Easter during Easter time, maybe two years ago. I was reading the Easter story again. And I, I just happened to read. I don't know. I, I read this many times, but I noticed that, that, you know, we're so grateful in the church that God, that Jesus died for my sins. That's like, we're so hallelujah. I'm thrilled about that. And I've always been. But that particular Easter, I read the passage where he, he carried my shame. Shame is heavy. Shame is what keeps you in a place of darkness. Shame belittles you. You're not worthy. Shame is. So when I realized that Jesus not only died for my sins, but he also carried my shame. And, you know, guilt says that you did something wrong, but shame says really makes you believe that you are something wrong. Yeah. And I just want the the audience to understand (laughs) your sins are forgiven. I have to tell you this one little story. I don't know how much time we have, but please, we have about 10 more minutes. Please tell it. Please tell it. You know, during my dark years, I told my one, uh, I had two dark years in my life and one was the abuse. And then the other was the impact of the abuse that I had never dealt with. And I got into uh, some other things that I just, I I didn't know how to bear. So I was telling my sister-in-law, you know, about what was going on in my life. And she already knew about the abuse because I had been past that. And then I said to her, you know, you know, I've gone to church all my life. You know, I've served God. I've, I really messed up, but he forgave me and everything is, you know, I'm, I'm Jonas and I'm doing well, you know, but right now, but it just feels to me like, I don't know. God's just not working for me right now. And I said, you know, Vern, I think I want to be a bad girl. And she just looked at me and she said, now at that time, I'm 50, I don't know, 54 years old or whatever. I want to be a bad girl. And then I said, and she just said, well, how would you be a bad girl? And I said, I don't know. I don't even know how to be a bad girl. I've been through all this abuse. I've experienced all this craziness. I mean, I guess I just want to get drunk and I don't know, go find another man or something. I don't know. I just want to be a bad girl. And she just, and I said, and, and I said, I want to leave Jonas and start over. And she just looked at me and she said, do you really want to leave Jonas? I mean, he's such a good man. I said, I know he is, but I don't deserve him. I need to find another life. And so that was my desperation. It was in the middle of great success at Auntie Anne's. My, my pain was so deep that it, 
I, I didn't care. I wanted to walk away from the company. I, I was going to leave my family. And it was right based on that, just a few months after that, I, this turmoil that I was in, I get a phone call from a guy that lived in Sweden, which I never talked to on the phone, but I, we knew him as a couple, Jonas Nabuth, and he and his wife. And he'd come to the States to itinerate. And so one morning, I, he, he called me on the phone, and I was like, Oliver, wow, so good to hear your voice. So how are you? So we did all this small talk, and he said, well, you know, I've just had you and Jonas on my mind. I've had you in particular on my mind, and I just wanted to know how you were doing. I said, oh, I'm doing fine. <laughs> I, I didn't tell him I wanted to be a bad girl. But anyway, and he just said, he talked a little while, and he kept saying, I, you know, I know what God told me to tell you, but I, I'm confused. You're doing okay? Then he asked me again, are you really doing okay? And I just wept like a baby. I couldn't even answer him the second time he asked me. And on the other end of the line, he just kept saying, hmm, oh, okay, okay, I see, okay, huh. And when I finally stopped crying, he said, Anne, God told me to call you and to tell you that you are not a bad girl. You're a good girl. And your sins from the past have all been forgiven. And the sins that you've committed today, they're forgiven. And any sin in the future, his blood covers it all. Yeah. You are forgiven. That's how big God is. And that's how great his grace is. Yeah. It's unending. So whatever you're struggling with today, first of all, I would say, tell somebody and see where that takes you. Wow. That, uh. What I love about your story is it so beautifully shows how God is so powerful and so yes, big, yes. but he's also so personal yes. and he's so intimate and he is in the big moments and the small moments. And like, yes. yes, he's the alpha and the omega, but he's also the God of the messy middle, the messy. I don't know what I'm doing right now. That's and right. I don't have it figured out. And And I feel like, especially with this, I know me, myself, being in my mid-20s and this upcoming generation, there's so many moments where it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even yeah. know what tomorrow looks like. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. I don't know if I'm doing my purpose. Purpose is so like calling and yeah. people are so freaked out about that. And you so beautifully, your life is just such a testament to the redemption of God and how you can't mess it up because it is his, it yeah. was never yours to begin with. And, um, and, and I just feel so convicted to ask you to, to talk to the audience. Like if anyone feels far from God right now, mm -hmm. I know I, mm -hmm. in my life, I've always believed in Jesus, but there's been times where I've been like, God, I believe in you. And I know you're there but you feel so far away, what would you encourage the audience to, to hold on to in those moments? Well, you know, I think that we find ourselves in, in life is hard stuff, you know? It always takes us by surprise. Yeah. Like, right? I, I don't know why, but it does. It takes mm -hmm. us by surprise. And then because of whatever happened to us, then we, then we begin to hurt other people because we're so hurt. You know, we can't even, um, we just hurt people because we're so hurt. You cannot give what you don't have. So yeah. if I'm hurting, 
guess what? I'm, I'm going to lash out. There's many ways we respond to that, but we often hurt others by our hurt. But, you know, we experience, uh, you know, tragedy and disappointments. Number one, it starts with that. Whether it's a, as a child you were abused or raped or maybe your parents got divorced, I, whatever it is, something happens, you know, uh, tragic. It's, it's a tragedy. And then we kind of get through that and we survive. And like we think, wow, I, you know, I may even tell you, I survived the, you know, the tragedy of the divorce of my parents or I, whatever it is. You know, we actually survived and we, we live in this survival mode. And we're like, we think that's that's it. But survival to me was like, I'm out in the middle of the ocean. I have a raft and I'm, I, I'm keeping my head above water, but man, I am not living. I am surviving. Yeah. You know, we hear a lot of people say I survived cancer or whatever it may be. That, that's a trigger point for me because Jesus wants to take us beyond survival. And he wants to make us an overcomer. Wow. We are overcomers by the word of our, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Yeah. Overcomers. And so I believe that in order for us to overcome, um, it's a journey. For me, it was a very long journey to be. And, and are we ever there? Mm. No, we're never there. But let me tell you, I'm a whole lot closer to enjoying God's presence every single day than I've ever been in my life. So I want to encourage your your audience, you know, to first of all, uh, open up your life and bring all your deeds into the light. Learn to live this lifestyle of openness and honesty and, and, and confession. And and then walk and talk with Jesus. And learn to recognize his presence. Because he promised, he said that his presence is with you. I will be with you until the end of your life. Wow. So too often we're looking for him somewhere out there, but he is with us, Mm -hmm. inside of us. Mm -hmm. He has chosen to live within us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God's presence within us to carry his presence. And so I think that for us to sit still, turn everything off, and be still. Yeah. And listen, Annie, that, that, that has, that's what's taken me to a whole other level mm-hmm. with Christ. Mm-hmm. Because I'm looking for him. Mm-hmm. I'm listening for him. And I actually believe that I can feel him. Now, can you imagine Jesus said, I'm with you, but you never, you can't feel me. It's all by faith. No, I believe that he said that I'm with you. I want you to experience my nearness. Just, you can feel my presence. It's like you come to my house and say, come on to my house and I'll be there for you. And, you know, when you come, you're there, but you you can't see me or feel me. Yeah. Like. Just because, I, I don't know. But I think God is even more real than that. If he says that he's with us. What does he feel like to you? Oh. He feels kind. Mm-hmm. He feels like he's redeemed me. 
he feels like a, a father that would just hug me mm. no matter what my day is like. Yeah. If I stop long enough, just be still. We can actually practice feeling his presence. I'm not talking about feeling as a lack of faith. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that our faith leads to feeling his presence. There are many times I don't feel him all day long. Yeah. But let me tell him every time I stop, he's there. Oh. He he, wow. he created us with emotions. We're emotional beings. Yeah. We feel each other as human beings. Yeah. And so I believe that we can feel his love. Many times I feel, I just, I, I, I weep a lot. And I always feel like, am I sad? No, I'm not sad. Am I, what, why am I crying? I well, cry too a lot. And it's, it's just because this is, this is God and this is Jesus and this is Holy Spirit. Yeah. Intimately wanting desiring and wanting an intimate relationship that's why he created us and you know that satan you know deterred adam and eve and he does the same thing with us they made one choice it changed their life yeah. but he went back to them he went back to them he went looking for them and he will always always long to be near you because he created you to be in a relationship with him don't believe the lies of the world or the church or the i don't know whoever whatever whoever you listen to just know that god i love that loves you dearly that's so beautiful to me because i do think that to an extent sometimes the church is um played down or almost degraded emotions and feelings Uh it's like we've externalized and a relationship with God, with God, it's about knowing scripture and being able to recite it. And, you know, you look at the Bible and you're like, that's literally the Pharisees. I mean, you know, the Pharisees knew every word to what they needed to know and to um, the laws. And But there was no intimate relationship. And so I think it's, you know, there's something to be said about not being afraid of your feelings and sinking. Like that word sinking just came to mind when you were talking. Yes. It's like, sinking into yourself and what's what's there and it's not like that's not the enemy i think the biggest play the enemy has on us is sometimes thinking that the enemy is in us instead of the holy spirit mm-hmm. and we're afraid to go in us because we're afraid the the enemy and all the the horrible stuff is in there no the, the holy spirit's in you so that's when absolutely. you stop and you sink in, you're going to find the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be the light that shines out of your heart to cast out what the enemy's doing outside of you, not in you. He no. can't get that territory. It's, it's, it's the internal life or the external life. You know, we're taught the external life is what everybody sees. And it's what we actually create for other people to see. Mm-hmm. We want people to see us this way. I don't know, whatever that is, mm-hmm. but the internal life, you know, that's that's where we grow. That's where Holy Spirit lives. That's where Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's where we learn. That's where, you know, and then what's on the inside will actually, uh, what, what's internal will actually eventually come out. So if I'm mad and, you know, uh, holding all these secrets in and, 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 and trying to cover up and trying to stuff all these things over time, what's inside of us will come out. Yeah. So. Allow Holy Spirit to come on in and cleanse 
Yeah. Yeah. Every nook and cranny of your heart and the things that you don't, this is what I love, what you don't like about yourself. Yeah. Then tell somebody, you know, I don't know what it, whatever it is about yourself. What is the thing that you just don't like about you? Mm. And I think we all know what that is. Like whatever, it's different for all of us, but there's some things in my life. I've been, and, but I felt stuck in that. Like, oh, mm. this is just the way I am now. And I guess this is, no, no. The internal life is meant to be worked on. Like right. we can work it out, right? Wow. And as I began to understand that, I could change anything about me that I didn't like. Yeah. As I began to open up and honestly and tell somebody about how I'm really feeling about me. I mean, I'm a sorry person. I did. I broke every commandment in the book. And Jesus still loves me. Like, come on. We have the greatest thing going for us. Come on. <laughs> I like, come on. We, we have the I greatest mean, thing going for us. It's the best plan humans have ever had. And yet we smile in my mind I'm thinking about like the Alabama UGA game and I'm like, <laughs> we just all these fans in the stand like screaming, come on. And that's right. I'm like, come on. Like from Jesus. Cause that's right. I mean it's, it's true. And um and I honestly like where I feel like I could talk to you for six more hours. I know, I, mean, this I know, is, I know. This Same here. Fine conversation. And and I've actually never asked someone on the podcast to do this, but if you would, would you pray us out? Would you pray? I, I sure will. For this generation, I just I feel very convicted to ask you of that. I sure will. Wow, Heavenly Father, you you are good. You love us. Mm -hmm. You care deeply for us. Yeah. You want to be a part of our lives, not to convict us, not to judge us, not to condemn us, mm -hmm. but you want us, Jesus, to experience life, the free, indeed, life, and to have a relationship with you that you died for so that we could have this beautiful connection with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would forgive all of us, forgive us for believing so many lies that we hear. And I don't know, we just hear so much. And it's hard for us to know truth. So I pray you will forgive us for being distracted mm -hmm. with the words of the world. Help us, Father, to dig deep into your word and to believe truth. Father, I pray for each and every single person in this audience right now. Lord, I pray that I just see some of them kneeling, weeping, asking and pleading for help. Some asking for forgiveness to cleanse them from all of their sins, to start anew and afresh right now. Lord, you, you see that. I just see that in my, in my spirit mind, with my spirit eyes. You're, you're with every single person that's listening to this right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll move into that heart and hover over every single person and change 
what needs to be changed. Give them the courage to do what they can do and to stop believing the lies that say, oh, you can't do this, or if somebody knew, they would hate you, or if somebody did this, they would misunderstand. Just, I want to say, rise up. Be courageous. Jesus went to the man by the by the pool of Bethesda. The man laid there for 38 years. He was comfortable in his pain. And Jesus came on the scene and he said, do you want to be well? Father, you're asking that question to every single listener that feels sick today, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Do you want to be well? And if you do, then he said to the man at the pool of Bethesda, right, get up and walk. I want to say to you today, get up and walk. Go towards someone and determine and decide in your heart today that you are going to be open and honest with your life with someone that can be trusted and that can help you. Father, I pray that you will cleanse all of us with your blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, beautiful people. I hope this episode blessed you. Two quick things before you tune me out. One, if this podcast means anything to you, if you find value from it, I really am asking you to leave a review. It helps me out a ton. It also helps get this word out to anybody else God wants it to be put on their heart. Second thing is if you're ever like me and don't have a full hour or 40 minutes to designate to a full podcast episode, I have a brand new podcast for you. It's the baby podcast of this parent podcast, Made to Shine. It's called Made to Shine Minute. It is literally 60 seconds every single morning of an idea, a nugget put on my heart, what have you. I hope it blesses you. You can find it everywhere you look for podcasts. Thank you.